friends. Welcome to the Recognizing Potential podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Thompson Alaricki, and as a pilot wife, mom, and certified life design and relationship coach, I just wanted to create a space for others who are looking for the real stories. You know, the ones that make you think, oh good, it's not just me. A place to get all the tips and tricks to take your relationship from good to exceptional, and a place where you can learn new ways to look at the design of your life and make it what you've always dreamed of. My mission in coaching is building lives of passionate purpose, and it's my goal to help you do just that. So if you're wondering about your God-given purpose, wanting to up-level your life or your marriage, or just needing a positive place you can go to hear a friend, you've come to the right place, and I'm so happy you're here. Grab your favorite beverage, and let's jump in. Hey, y'all. Before we get started on this week's episode, I have to tell you about the date box. Now, you know that I never share anything I haven't already tried, and I'm ridiculously picky about what I attach my name and brand to. But as a certified marriage coach, one of the things that I'm most passionate about is connection. The more connected you and your partner are, the less conflict you're going to have, the less relationship stress you're going to have, and the more partnership closer friendship, deeper emotional, and better physical intimacy you're going to have, which leads to a stronger relationship overall. And that's why I've partnered with Happily. Happily understands, like I do, that finding a sitter, matching schedules, or living somewhere with a lot of new things to do may be a challenge. And sometimes you just want to have a date at home in your comfy pants. Am I right? Happily's got you. With a date box that's sent straight to your door, there's no excuse not to have at least one night of customizable connection every single month. Mo and I love our date box. We've customized it to what we like to do. And he loves that there's a customized playlist that we get to listen to on Spotify for a little mood music. I love the cute new recipes that we get to bake together and enjoy as we play a game or activity that they always send us. Now the games and activities are actually fun and they help us get to know each other because even though we've been married for almost seven years, we're not the same people that we were when we first got together. So getting to know each other for who we are now keeps things fun, spicy, and connected. And if you're struggling to plan a date with your spouse for less than it would cost you to get a sitter and go out, let Happily take care of the planning for you. Just go to thehappily.co Fill out the questionnaire to customize your date box on what you like to do. Pick how often you want a date box sent to you and type in the code DIVORCEPROOFMARRIAGE, all one word, for 50% off your first month. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Recognizing Potential podcast. I am so excited that you're here today. This is topic is one that I have wanted to do an episode on for so long. And I'll be really honest, um, I just, I had to do more research on it. And I honestly had to clean out my own heart because this was a problem in my marriage for a really long time. And just in being super vulnerable and and transparent with you, um, when Mo and I were at an all-time low, I remember being in an argument with him. God, we had such toxic fight styles And I remember looking at him during an argument one time and actually telling him that there was no way we were ever going to have a healthy marriage because he was the most prideful person I had ever met in my life. And of course, he he just got defensive and all of that, which we'll talk about later. But he, what he didn't, what I didn't realize is that I was talking to him in that he had arrogant pride 
which yeah, is detrimental to a marriage, but I was also at fault in a lot of ways for being prideful in a fearful kind of way and that I didn't even know was prideful. So there's two types of pride. There's arrogant and there's fearful pride and they look completely different, but they're equally as damaging to a relationship. So in this episode, we're going to dig into what pride is. We're going to talk about what it looks like in a relationship. I'm going to give you some specific examples of like things that can be said and things that were said in our marriage and how it's sneaky and a silent marriage killer. And then of course, you know, can't leave you without telling you what to do about it. And like specifically what I did to clear that out of my heart. And so let's just get into it. What does pride look like? And this is what, this is why it's sneaky. It can be that boastful, look at me, I'm so much better than you or anyone else for that matter. It can also be like, I don't need help. I don't need no man. Like I can do everything by myself. And you can, but acting that way is a completely different situation. It can also be that whole like, love me, respect me, notice me, see me, make me feel important kind of Demeter. Or it can be self-pitying, wounded, brooding, constantly taking things personally or playing the victim card, that kind of demeanor. Arrogant pride is the loud, aggressive type, while fearful pride is that whiny, passive-aggressive brother. Both types of pride seek the exact same outcome, and they take away from the relationship equally. And anyone can have one or both types of pride while vacillating between the two. So let's jump into what are some signs that you have too much pride in your marriage. Now, I do have an Instagram post on this. um, If you want to scroll down in my feed a little bit, Um, that is at divorce.proof.marriage if you don't follow me on Instagram yet. So basically, here's, here's what it is. Like, if one or both of you take everything personally, the majority of your hard conversations, your comments, your advice given, it all feels like an attack to an, to a prideful person. And it seems like they're triggered by almost everything. Like you tell them, you know, something like, hey, you look really nice today. Or one of the things that my husband does, and I had to learn that this was just part of, you know, English as a second language. He says actually a lot. And so he would say like, wow, you actually look really nice today. Which to me, I'd be like, what? Don't I look nice every day? But he didn't mean it that way. He just, he was just, he just says actually as like the filler word kind of thing. Um, so I had to stop taking everything so personally. The second one is refusing to get help. I see this one a lot as a marriage coach. If one partner thinks that your marriage needs help, your marriage needs help, period. Refusing to get help is like when you say, no, we don't need help or no, I'm not going to do that. What you're actually saying to your partner is, my perspective is what we are, is that we're fine. And my perspective is the only one that matters. So if you want to get help, you get help because you're the problem, which is the next issue. When you say things like, I'm not the problem, you are. This common statement oozes pride, contempt, selfishness, and arrogance with literally every single syllable. And the problem is, The pride blocks us from seeing our own blind spots and everyone has them. It deafens us from hearing others' communication and it stops us from growing together, which is the whole point of marriage in the first place. 
So if you think your partner is the problem and you aren't, you're absolutely lacking accountability and the ability to look at yourself objectively. These are emotional intelligence points and they're learned concepts. They're not something that we're born with. That being said, if this is your thought process, you're more of the problem than you think you are. The fourth one is not taking accountability. Prideful people don't like being seen in an unflattering light. I mean, we don't, we, we all don't, right? Like we want to be seen as perfect and good. I mean, God forbid that we ever make a mistake or like do something to be seen as a human being in progress instead of being perfect, right? Nine out of 10 times when a mistake happens, your partner just needs you to own it. Like own how your mistake hurt them, apologize, and then course correct. If they keep bringing it up over and over, which I see this a lot in, in marriage coaching too, it's most likely because they're still hurt by it and that resentment is still eating at them. And they don't feel like you actually owned your part in the hurt that it caused them or how your actions affected them or even your kids. Um, the next one is constantly needing attention. And this is not like, this is different than the need to be close. Like there is an there is a normal, natural feeling of closeness in a relationship when you have a secure relationship. No, that's what, that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is that whole, like, look at me, see what I can do. Look at all my accomplishments. Aren't I so great? It's that loud, boastful, uh, being seen as perfect, you know, always having to one up somebody, whether it be your partner or your brother or your sister or, you know, something like that. Um, you know, boasting about all of your achievements that year when, you know, you're at Christmas dinner, stuff like that. And again, it's that whole like taking the spotlight so that you can have all the accolades and all the affirmation. You ever look at sports teams that consistently reference the team effort? Like they give thanks to the team or like they'll say like, oh, you did a really great job today. And then they're like, yeah, man, like I, I just have to give all the credit to my team. That's how a marriage should be as well. It's team sport. You win as a team, you lose as a team. And if one of you is prideful and needs the spotlight on you for all your accolades, it shoves your partner, who is your equal, to the back. And it's saying, look, I did so much better. This is all on me. When in reality, there's a really good chance that you wouldn't have the accolades if your partner hadn't done what they did too. So it doesn't really matter what you accomplished in that moment. Your team is losing because you're the one taking all of the, all of the spotlight. Now, I will say that this may be an inner child wound where you didn't get enough affirmation and positive reinforcement as a kid. Most of us that grew up in the 80s and 90s, um, we were criticized a lot from our parents in order to make us better, which can be a good thing in certain aspects. But if you were only shamed or constantly shamed, criticized and put down for, you know, all of the things that you did. So like, you know, if you played sports, it was never like, hey, you played a really good game. Next time, you know, let's work on this and this and this. But I am really proud of you. Like instead of sandwiching it, you'd come off the field or the court and your parents would be like, yeah, um, well, you didn't do this right. And also you missed that shot. And also, you know, you could have picked better or, you know, like whatever the case may be. So for all of that, your ego is so like, because you were put down now as an ego, your, your ego, or now as an adult, sorry, your ego is so overinflated that it's covering up for the deep inner trauma that you actually have that you haven't truly worked through. And now you're trying to convince yourself by convincing everyone else how great you are. 
And this is something that needs to be worked out with a therapist that's trauma-informed. That's a really, really key point right there, that you have to work with somebody that's trauma-informed. The next one is too high of expectations. Um, I am seeing this everywhere in my research right now, that expectations are, they're just paramount to everything in a marriage. And you know, maybe it's the fact that expectations aren't being communicated. Maybe they aren't being communicated well or as clearly as they need to be. Either way, the prideful person feels let down on a lot of things and they take things personally as their partner or whomever they have the expectations for or of. Like they almost see that as they don't, that their partner doesn't care enough about them or doesn't care to meet their needs. While in reality, Maybe the other partner isn't physically, mentally, emotionally, or otherwise capable of meeting the expectations because it's simply too much for them. So if the if the expectation isn't being communicated, you also have to understand that like nobody's a mind reader and closed mouths don't get fed. So if you're communicating your expectations clearly and in a timely manner, and your partner simply says something like, I feel like this is an unrealistic expectation for me, or I can't do that. You have to be willing to reevaluate yourself and your expectations because your partner is only one person and they are a human being just like you. So those too high of expectations creates a lot of resentment. It creates a lot of issues in a marriage. And a lot of times it's simply because one person, you know, didn't feel like they could speak up and say, that's too much for me. Or, you know, they're a people pleaser or the other person's expectations were too high and their partner did say something and they just didn't listen. So, you know, you kind of have to evaluate in all of these in all of these circumstances that I'm giving you what applies to your marriage because obviously everybody's situations are unique. I'm not going to be able to give you the perfect scenario that fits, but like, you know, try to try to fit it in where it does. Um the next example would be that you you or your partner will not apologize. Um I have worked with so many couples where apologizing was never really a thing growing up. Like maybe their parents never apologized to each other or when the parents themselves blew it, they never apologized to the kids. And so it's like they just learned to say, I'm sorry, but they never learned the full four-step apology. And so they don't even know what that looks like. So it may not be a prideful thing. It may be a thing where they legitimately just don't know how to apologize. Um, not apologizing for your actions, your words, your choices, or the hurt that you've caused others is selfish and prideful. You're choosing your image and the idea of being caught in a less than perfect light over the reality that you screwed up, intentionally or not. A genuine four-step apology is imperative to having a healthy, long-lasting relationship. They're required for repair, to make amends, and to move forward. Did you know that studies show that the repair is the most important part of any conflict? Even if a couple argues every single day, if they have a good repair after each conflict, they're still going to report having an overall happy relationship long-term. By not genuinely apologizing, though, like by not dropping the pride and choosing repair, you're laying bricks of resentment in your spouse that builds a wall that eventually has no window, no door, and no access to your partner at all. And it takes an immense amount of time, energy, and effort to tear that wall down for yourself. And also, it requires your partner to 
apologize a lot over a long period of time for things that they did years and years and years ago that they may have even forgotten, but or even like things that they said that have just eaten away at you. And it's really hard to come back from that. It's not impossible. It's definitely possible and it's definitely worth it, but it is very difficult. So just learning to apologize, you know, in the beginning or from right where you are right now is really important. The next one is the inability to compromise. You ever been around somebody that asks for advice, but then like never takes the advice anyone else gives, or they can't let anyone else drive because, you know, their driving is better, or they can't seem to see a better way, even when it's pointed out to them. And more often than not, they have this attitude that their way is the only way or the right or better way. Come on. Everybody knows somebody like this. They're hard to be around, huh? And that's arrogant pride. This can often be misconstrued as a person being narcissistic. And here's the deal. Narcissistic personality disorder has no cure. Pride can absolutely be cured if the prideful person is willing to recognize the red flags in themselves and change the behavior in order to have healthier, happy relationships. And if they're willing to listen to other people on the blind spots that the other people see that they can't see themselves in order to have healthier, happier relationships. Contrary to popular belief, a compromise is not, well, I want this and you want this, so we're going to do what I want. It's not a compromise. And you would be shocked at the number of couples come to me and they're like, well, this is what compromise was in my house. You know, my dad wanted this and my mom wanted that. And so we did this because my dad wanted it. It it doesn't work like that, people. Like, it does not work like that. So you got to learn to compromise as well as learning to apologize. Now, what does arrogant pride look like versus fearful pride? Um, Some characteristics of arrogant pride are things like shunning genuine peer accountability. Things like you must be in control. You see all issues as black and white. There is no gray area. And views people as either for them or against them. You're threatened by people with legitimate differences. Like you don't allow disagreement or critique You're insensitive. If you've ever been called insensitive, you don't take other people's feelings into account. You're closed-minded, unaccepting of new ideas. Maybe you've been told that you have a fixed mindset. You see other gifted, competent people as competition rather than as partners. Maybe you're hypercritical of yourself and others. If you are critical of yourself, I guarantee you, you are critical of others, even if you don't know it. Maybe you lack self-awareness. You're unable to see your own errors and your own faults. You can't delegate genuine authority or significant positions to others because you feel like your way is the only way or that your way is the only right way. If you fold towels a certain way and you're like, no, this is the only way that it can go, you are prideful. If you have to load a dishwasher a certain way, you are prideful. If you like, who gives a crap? If the towels fit in the cabinet or the dishes are done, like, does it matter? Like, and they're done and they're clean. Does it matter how they they go in? Like, look, seriously, people. Um, People who long to be respected by everyone. Like, if you would choose respect over love, a lot of men would. Um, and a lot of, a lot of times that's pride, honestly. Uh, characteristics of fearful pride. And, and please understand, guys, like, I am not by any any means coming down on one gender or another. Um, typically, pride does, arrogant pride happens in men. 
but fearful pride happens in in women most often okay and that was the dynamic that mo and i had but it can happen in anybody um characteristics of fearful pride being unwilling to act unless you gain um, consensus from others first like you have to talk to 19 different people before you actually make a decision um being hesitant to take change seeing all issues as shades of gray reluctant to fight for anything like it's that whole um you've got to stand for something or your fall for anything it's that whole thing like you you don't actually stand up and fight for what you believe in you're just accepting of everything um you're paralyzed by people with legitimate differences always responding to disagreement or um or critique you're overly sensitive you're unwilling to hurt anyone else's feelings you're soft-minded like you're so welcoming of new ideas that error and heresy are tolerated you see other gifted and competent people as threats you're never critical of others even when you should be so like if somebody else is you know hurting other people and you're seeing it and you're not pointing out the like hey you're being really rude nope you just let it go you lack self-confidence you're paralyzed by your awareness of your own sins errors and faults that like you just become like you just almost retreat to a shell of yourself and you have so much shame and guilt inside yourself that you have no self-confidence whatsoever you want everybody to have a voice in every decision you want to make every single person happy Um, you long to be liked by everyone those are all examples of fearful pride you're not going and, and it's unrealistic you're not going to make everybody else happy. You're not all the time. You're not going, you know, not everybody is going to like you. This is something that I really struggled with, especially in high school. I felt like I had to be liked by everybody. And as I've grown um, and done so much self-development, like I've realized I am not everybody's cup of tea and that's okay. Like if I can help inspire one couple out there to have a better marriage, like great, I have done my job. If I can help one person for this episode get over their own pride, like fantastic. They're going to have a better life and a better a, a better marriage. They're going to be better parents. Like great, my job is done. You know, and and that's that's the goal right there is just helping as many people as you can and understanding that you can't help everybody. Now, if you're feeling like somebody has punched you in the gut or like Jesus just got a hold of your ear, like, hello, child, you better listen up here. Take a breath. There is good news. Now, remember earlier when I told you that pride is absolutely curable? Here's how you make that happen. And this, these are the exact steps that I have taken too. So like, you know, the ad that I had for Happily where I said that I never promote anything that I haven't tried myself. Guys, it's the same thing when I'm giving you advice, when I am telling you different coaching techniques or different things that I use for couples that I'm coaching. These are tried and true ways of doing things. So the first thing, have gratitude. You would be shocked at the number of people in this world that are grateful for things like their job or their family or their car. Like, okay, that's great but it's also easy. True gratitude is, and I know this sounds stupid, but do you know how many couples come to me saying that they simply don't feel appreciated in their home? 
Like, toddlers have made you nothing more than their personal snack servant. Teenagers won't turn their dirty socks right side out or separate their pants from their underwear to save their lives. And then you have a partner that you and your partner are both working the daily grind, just trying not to let the wheels fall off of life. And nobody can be bothered to answer the words thank you every once in a while. Like, can I get an amen here? Okay. Hey guys, real quick, if you are loving this podcast episode, give it a quick like and share it with your friends. You never know who might also benefit from the information that you're loving. Tag me in your post so that I can thank you and chat with you because I love getting to know and connect with my audience. And also leave a review. It helps the podcast grow and get in front of more people. And this helps the mission to divorce-proof marriages, and we all know somebody who could benefit from that. So thanks so much, and back to the episode. Maybe that's just my life right now. I don't know. My husband's very thankful, but the toddlers and saw and and teenagers, like those are exact examples of what's going on in my life. Um, so when Mo and I were struggling so bad, like this was where we like he legitimately told me he was like, Cam, he goes, I'm not grateful for anything. I'm not grateful. And I knew that he wasn't grateful. And I am the type of person that now, now this is not like a quick fix. I have, it's taken me years to get to this point, but I am legitimately grateful for things like hearing Zane laugh or a cup of coffee that I don't have to reheat in the microwave 11 times in the morning just to get it drink. Um, waking up to a clean kitchen in the morning, just little things like that. You know, I used to be one of those people too, that was like, well, I'm grateful for my family and my house and my job. But like true gratitude is deeper than that. It's having gratitude for the small things. And when Mo was talking to his brothers and a couple of friends complaining that he was so young and living the life of a 55-year-old when we were at our low point, like his brothers and his friends were real quick to be like, you're married, you have kids, you work your dream job and you get to travel like every two to three months. Pride is definitely a factor here when you look at his life and his situation. His brothers were saying like, bro, you have the life that most people would kill for. Don't forget that. There's other parts of his family, like distant relatives, not even really that distant, like aunts and uncles. They can't even purchase food because they live in a war-torn country. They don't have a house that has all the windows because the windows have broken with the airstrikes that have happened or just like the war itself. Their kids don't go to a safe school. It's, I mean, things like that, when you look at situations of other people, there's a saying that says something like, if you took all of your problems and put them in a bucket and everybody around you did the same, you would always pick your own problems back out because other people always have it worse than you. And yeah, that may suck, but at the same time, like, If you have gratitude for what you have, instead of complaining about what you don't have, then you don't have as much pride. If you're the same way that Mo was, stop complaining and start having gratitude for your blessings. Thank your partner, not only for what they do for your household, your family, and your future, but for who they are. This is really big. Like saying things like, thank you for being so strong. Thank you for being courageous. Thank you for being you know, hardworking or for having integrity, for being trustworthy, for your selflessness. Like there are so many people out there now that have no integrity. There are so many people out there that aren't trustworthy. 
If you have a partner that that is these things, thank them for that. Because it's a big dang deal. You would be so surprised at how much a simple thank you fills your partner's cup, especially if their love language is words of affirmation. Second is change your mindset. Pride generally puts you on this pedestal, and instead of requesting, you start ordering, or at the very least, forgetting that your partner has a lot on their plate too. And marriage requires a mindset of service. So how can I help you? How can I ease your burden? How can I make life better for you? Pride says, how are you helping me? How are you showing up for me and doing things for me? It's this general lack of respect for your partner and will eventually lead to divorce if it's not squashed. So start saying please, thank you. Start asking how you can be of service to them. How can you help out with your partner's burdens? How do you, like, do you even know what your partner's biggest burdens and stressors are in life? If not, that's a really good connection question, by the way. Start there. If you're both competing daily to see who can serve the other one more, you would be amazed at how happy, fulfilled, how productive, and how prosperous your life really can be. The third thing is go back to first grade. I'm not talking maturity-wise. I'm talking about needs and wants. So being prideful makes you put your wants above your partner's need. So for example, like let's say your partner needs help with the kids or needs a little bit more time to work this weekend because one of the kids was sick this week and they had to take a day off or something like that. But you want to go play golf. This is where the compromise comes in. Instead of playing 18 or 36 holes, let them work first and then you go play nine. You're both getting what you need or what you want. Your partner isn't getting enough sleep lately and they need sleep, like they need to sleep in or they need to take a nap, but you wanted to take the kids to the fall festival or organize the garage. Nobody's at their best if their basic needs aren't met first anyway. So think basic needs like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, okay? We've got water, adequate nutrition, sleep, even sex is is, is a basic need. Now we're not talking about intimacy. We're not talking physical intimacy. But just sex is a basic need. If you don't believe me, look it up. Um, but that being said, if their basic needs are not being met, they're not going to be at their best. Okay? So you want to, like, if, if that's the case, the garage can wait. Or maybe take the kids to the festival by yourself or with your bestie and her kids. Or wait until another day. Ask yourself in these moments Hey, is this a need or is this a want? Can this wait till later? Can this wait till another day? Like, why is this so important to me? Okay. Number four, start listening to understand, not to respond. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is a tough one for most couples because it's not human nature to listen to understand. It's, it's human nature that when somebody is talking, you automatically have this thought that you're like, like you're waiting for your own time to go ahead and interject your interject your thought. But that's not listening to understand. So listening to your partner's perspective and really trying to understand where they're coming from is paramount in a relationship. Asking things like, what do you mean by this? Or tell me more about this. When you say X, Y, and Z, what does that look like specifically? These phrases and sentences are going to help tremendously. And when you're doing this, 
Notice where your pride is coming up or becoming a trigger for you. Ignoring it or suppressing it isn't going to help you overcome it. It's literally just sweeping it under the rug. But acknowledging it and admitting it to yourself and to your partner will help. So when you're saying things like, hey, I hear you saying this and I know that your need is X, Y, and Z. I'll be honest, my pride is telling me this. The narrative in my head is saying all of these things. I need a minute to process or like, is there any way we can compromise here? Is there any way I can have like 10 minutes and then we come back to this? Something like that is going to be a really healthy communication for you to um, to understand your partner, to process it, and then to, to healthily communicate your needs. Number five, along with listening to understand, remember the three A's. We're going to say A's are taking accountability for yourself, accepting criticism, and apologizing. So accountability, accepting, and apologizing. Don't blame others for your mistake or fail to admit that you are wrong. When you take responsibility for your actions, you're actually pushing your pride aside and giving yourself a chance to grow. And what I mean by taking accountability is understanding, again, understanding your partner's perspective. One of the things that is my absolute biggest pet pet peeve, this drives me insane, is when we'll say partner B is mad at partner A for something partner A, I'm sorry, partner A is mad at partner B for being mad at them for something that partner A did. So like I'm mad at you for being mad at me for something I did. Make it make sense. Like take accountability for what you did, honestly, or what you said or how you screwed up in any way, shape or form. Your eyes are going to be opened to the impact of your actions on the relationship if you start taking accountability for this. And that is essential to having a healthy, healthy growth in your marriage. So the next time your partner tells you how you hurt them or that you messed up, instead of getting defensive, remember when I told you at the very beginning of this episode, when Mo and I were in that argument and I told him that like he was the most arrogant, prideful person ever and he just got defensive, like blame shifting, gaslighting. Oh my God, God almighty. Gaslighting was the worst in our marriage and we had to get help. We had to get help. Because when I, and, and here's the thing, guys, if you're, okay, if you're listening to this entire podcast and you're like, yeah, this is my partner. Yeah, this is my partner. Yeah, this is my partner. Like, number one, check yourself because I will guarantee that you have pride as well. But number two, you can't be a prophet in your own land. Jesus himself was not a prophet in his own land and you can't be either. You, one of One of the biggest things that partners get so mad at me for or so mad at their partners for is when we're in a session and I will say something and all of a sudden it's like this light bulb just went off for their partner and like, so partner B is finally getting it right. And partner A is looking at me like, are you effing kidding me? I have said this 8,000 times in the last two weeks. But because it came from somebody else, that's that's where the growth is. So, like, this is what's so important is 
when you're like number one listening to your partner if your partner is saying something repeatedly there's probably something going on there number two this is why getting help is so important so important um okay i'll get off my soapbox here but um reflecting and taking accountability okay taking accountability for your own toxic defense mechanisms Stop, take a beat, listen to what your partner is saying and process that. Their perspective, their needs, their feelings, and their boundaries matter too. And you can either let that criticism bring you down or you can motivate yourself with that criticism to be a better version of yourself. Now, accepting loving constructive criticism is not the same as taking a verbal beating. Now, and this is ladies like, I'm going to be real honest. I had a real hard time with this in our marriage um, that led to like, that was my part in this. And like, I'm going to show you right now what taking, what accepting responsibility is. I was very critical, extremely critical. My expectations were way too high of Mo and what he had or had not done. Um, I was very quick to criticize if he didn't do it. And it was, it was very much in that prideful, contemptuous, like, are you kidding me? You are a moron for not loading the dishes correctly in the dishwasher or not, you know, taking the trash out like he said he would, or, you know, oh, well, I have to give Zane a bath again because, you know, I asked you to do it tonight and you didn't do it. But if I would have just reminded him, he would have done it. Like I, I didn't remember that he has a lot of responsibilities too. He has a lot on his plate too. He has a lot of burdens to carry too. So I was really, I was very critical in those areas. And it did lead to a lot of resentment for me with him. And so like he had a lot of resentment for me on that. Um, So understanding that both of you, both of your perspectives matter, but delivery is everything how you deliver that in a non-prideful loving like hey you're my friend and I'm saying this in a friendly loving way so much better and and it's going to allow your partner to receive that better than them feeling like you're attacking them Remember that pride makes you feel like everything is an attack. So ask yourself if your partner is delivering that lovingly or if they're being a jack wagon about it. Because I was a jack wagon about it. I'm going to be real honest. Um, Listening to what your partner has to say regarding your actions. Again, open your mind to the possibility that your behavior might have been pretty hurtful. And then apologize where necessary. Um, Last three. Number six, drop the scorecard. Again, if you're going to compete, compete in who can serve the other one more, who can love the other one more, who can help the other one more. But as 1 Corinthians 13 says, love doesn't keep score. It's not arrogant or rude. It's not boastful. I.e., there's no room for pride when you're loving well. Number seven, as I mentioned previously, compromise and encouragement go a long way. And then number eight, lastly, ask for help. There is a stigma on getting help that really needs to be put to rest here. There is absolutely no shame in asking for help in getting help or in admitting that you don't know everything. And that's why the divorce rate and mental illness rates are at an all-time high. 
People are divorcing because marriage is seemingly too hard. And then they get remarried when they didn't know how to do marriage well the first time around. They expect the second time to be easier and it won't be. You have to learn how to create a healthy marriage. You have to learn how to change your habits, how to change your mindset, how to have an emotional intelligence. We aren't born with any of these traits any more than we're born with the ability to speak a second language, to walk, to dance, to compute numbers, or to drive. Asking for someone like me to teach you how to have a happier, healthier, stronger, more connected marriage is not shameful. It's courageous. It's growth-minded. It's a lot of times needed, and it's always rewarding, but it's only done by those who have chosen to put down their pride and put their partner and their marriage first. That being said, if you are ready to help yourself in learning how to create a healthy, happy marriage, if you are ready to take that leap, email me the word link to coaching at recognizingpotential.com, and I will send you a link to a form to see if we're a good fit to work together. And then, you know, the next step is getting you on a path to creating prideless, happy, healthy marriage. Thanks for listening. And I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to another podcast episode of Recognizing Potential with your coach and host, Cameron thompson Alariki. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and also send me a review. I read all of the reviews and I'm grateful for every single one. Be sure to join the Facebook group, Recognizing Potential Life Coaching for even more life-changing content. Follow me on Instagram at recognizing underscore potential and on Twitter at recpotential, R-E-C-P-O-T-E-N-T-I-A-L. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week.